Hello, how are you? This is Aiden Jones. You, 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 you are listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday the 17th of May 2022. I hope you're doing okay, man. It's cold. I'm back in Melbourne and um, I'm feeling good. I am f- I'm, I'm on the bloody mend is what I am. I'm feeling better and better each week I do these, I reckon. I feel like I've kind of I'm coming in like a good patch after a difficult time. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm like, oh, dude, it is getting cold. Yesterday I got fucking rained on, man. I say I'm doing well, and yet here's a story about me screaming at myself on my bike yesterday. Um, I uh, I got back from Sydney yesterday. I spent the week in Sydney. Lovely time. Great shows. Thank you to everyone who came to my shows. I had a lot of fun. I did some new stuff on Sunday night in the last show. I put a fucking a few new things in there. Whatever, not important. Um, I uh, so I flew in. Yet, man, yesterday was like one of the busiest. I just felt busy. I was actually talking to my therapist today about the kind of like I'm stuck between like I think for as long as I can remember. I've known that I need to be busy or at least it's good for me to be busy because if I'm not, then I start like thinking and I kind of get sad, you know, there's like some undercurrent of like, just, I don't know, something and I just, it's like a little bit depressive or whatever. Um, so if I stay busy, then I don't think about that. But the problem is then I, I get so busy that I like get stressed out. And so I kind of ping pong between these two periods my whole life. I'm like, I'm going to be really busy and then I won't be sad. And then I get really busy and I start freaking out and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take some time and just relax. And then I relax and then I'm like, feel sad, you know? And so it's just like stressed, sad, stressed, sad. Remember a minute ago when I said I was feeling good. (laughs) So yesterday I fly back from Sydney and I get in at like 11, get home and uh, I've started this new job where I'm handing out um, uh, like merchandising for um, for yeah, like a, a company. So like the MasterCard, Visa, FPOS stickers, um, handing those out to shops, putting the new stickers up basically. And I want to start because my goal now is to go to America as I was talking about last week. I've got to save. So I've got to work. Got to work. Um, so I landed at 11 and then I start getting all my things together and chuck them in a little bag to, um, to do some of that work. And I go out at like, I don't know, 12, I can't remember, whatever. I went out and I do a bunch of that. And, um, then after I finish that, I play indoor at six. So... I go straight to indoor and I go play indoor and uh, then straight after indoor, I come back, I shower and then I go to my gig. And so it's just like all day, you know, like I woke up early, like actually fucking what time I wake up like 5.30 in the morning to get to the airport, to get the flight, to get home and then work and then indoor soccer. We lost by the way, my, oh dude, I got my fucking brand new boots. And they witnessed a loss on their first run out. Four goals to six. 
devastating stuff. Do you guys know? I'll uh, I'll get back to the story in a second. There's like a a worldwide shortage of football of like indoor boots. Do you know that? I tried to get indoor boots in November, and I I went to like six different shops, couldn't get them, and then I went. So I was like, oh, I guess I won't, you know, we didn't play in a while. And then I went like a month ago or a month and a half ago again, and you couldn't get them again. And I talked to the guy at Rebel Sport or whatever, and he was like, I mean, this sounded kind of like bullshit, but it was just like, there's like, you know, supply chain difficulties with COVID and, and whatever else. I don't know. Maybe, maybe fucking they, <laughs> maybe they grow football boots in Ukraine. Who knows? Um <laughs> That's why Russia, <laughs> that's why Russia has fucking, they've invaded because the indoor football, like the indoor World Cup is happening and they want to cut off the rest of the world's supply of indoor boots so they can project soft power out into the world, by, out into Latin America by winning <laughs> the World Futsal Championships. Because <laughs> uh, Putin's got his eyes on some fucking, you know, <laughs> on like a jungle mansion in the Himal- in the Himal- in in um in the Amazon, and he's like, but he knows that they won't that they won't let him in, that they won't you know abide by the tax restrictions or whatever that he wants unless they respect him. So how do you do that, mate? You win the fucking indoor soccer championships. And the only way that Russia's ever going to do that is if everyone else is playing barefoot. So <laughs> the the logical solution for any shrewd tactician is to invade Ukraine, which as we all know is the home of... Okay, this riff has gone on long enough, but that was a bit of fun, wasn't it? Let's have a tea. Oh, perfect. So uh, I had to buy my my boots online. So the guy at the shop, yeah, he basically said like, the factory that makes indoor... I mean, the factory? What do you mean, the fact? What are you talking about? I think he was just regurgitating a rumor that he heard. I don't think he was actually... He wasn't like, look, man, this is what's up. He was like, okay, here's what I've heard. I don't really understand. But he said the factory that makes... Like, they're, they're trying to restock the global supplies after COVID or supply chain issues or whatever. And, like, indoor shoes... Oh, they're, like, down the list. Like... Like that's they like triage shoe production at the Nike factory, apparently. So it goes like, you know, outdoor boot like cleats and then like basketball shoes and then tennis shoes and then indoor soccer shoes. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? A factory full of people and then, you know, one day they're like, All right, that's all that's all the fucking basketball shoes done. Now everyone switch Everyone press the tennis button on your on your machine. <laughs> and we are now producing tennis shoes. <laughs> Beep boop 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 tennis. Yeah, that's not how it works at all, mate. But I don't fucking know how it works, actually. You would just you would think that they'd be making every shoe at the same time all the time, you know? Whatever. I wonder how handmade the shoes are. This is the problem, isn't it? We all know that the shoes are made with slave labor and then that's where we stop. Like, <laughs> you don't even investigate further. <coughs> like, yes, yeah, slaves, but like, what do the slaves do? Are they stowing the shoes stitch by stitch? 
I watched a TikTok video of um of uh some like guys in I don't know what some subcontinent, you know, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, whatever a country making tennis balls and it was just like a really low tech operation you know like they had these fucking um they had these like big square mold things with like you know rows and rows like like let's say it was like 10 by 10 circles and the things like made of metal and it like screws together or some shit and then um they put it over a fire so all of the molded stuff and it makes them in halves so it like squashes it you know like so it's like a half a tennis ball so it's like one half is like the hollowed out convex and then the other bit's the concave and in between that there's enough room for a bit of rubber and it goes over like this flat bit of rubber but then that goes over the fire and it's screwed together and then the fire makes it into like a half a circle and then they pull that out but it's like all I don't know, it just seemed in like some weird, you know, like it wasn't a clean factory. But I mean, of course it wasn't. <laughs> like, I don't know what I expected. Like I expect, you know, I mean, these guys weren't slaves, or at least they didn't look like it. I wonder what they were getting paid. But like in my mind, I guess because of like this, is, of course I have to imagine it like this or else I'd be too guilty. But like the people making Nike shoes, it's like, yeah, they're slaves, but like they have a nice chair. <laughs> they're like, they're all clean and whatever, <laughs> but they just don't get any money. It's like, nah, man, they're probably in fucking horrific conditions. Why is that? That you just learn about something you just learn? Oh, I guess because it's fucking depressing. You don't want to think about it. Um but I wonder how much they have to do, like to what extent are my shoes made by hand? You know, I guess they just sewing together, but then surely some of it is like a machine, you know, like the, the soul is that like a little mold and they mold the souls up. And some guys just like, is it like a big thing that you like pull it down like a Western factory that you think in your head? Or is it more like those guys that I saw in like an Indian kind of place with like dirt on the floor and they're just like screwing these things together. And it was crazy what they were doing, man. I was like, how are they not burning themselves? It's all happening so quick. One of the guys, like the last guy was like an old guy who like he gets the best job. He's just sitting there putting the bits of green felt on the outside of the ball. So there's like two bits of green felt. And like the first guy rolls it in glue. And then the second guy just like puts it on. But he was like an old guy. <laughs> and you know, like he used to be the fucking hot you know, the, the fucking hot clamp man. And then fucking the other old guy who used to do the felt like died. <laughs> and so now he's like, you know, I'm sad that I fucking, my mate died, but like fucking now I get to be the felt guy and sit down all day. <laughs> oh, it's really sad. Anyway, so I got my shoes. There was only one, uh, one, shoe of my size on the Nike website that was available. That's, that's the extent of the shortage. So I got some blue shoes and, uh, yeah, they're like fucking fluoro blue, man. They're actually pretty sick. I like them. I like them, but, uh, they didn't help because we lost four, six trying to be more aggressive. I, I played okay. We should have taken our fucking chances, man. We had so many chances. Their keeper was so good. And I just am not able to fucking think quickly when I've got the ball and I'm in on goal. There was one time I could have fucking chipped the guy. 
fuck, man. I wish I'd fucking thought to chip him. But I just shot straight at him. I'm still not calm enough in front of goal. You know, and they say about like footballers, they got he's got ice in his veins. That's who I want to be, man. I want to have ice in my veins, but instead my veins are full of peri-peri sauce and fucking Tabasco. I don't know. So I get too hot-headed and I just oh, shoot straight at the keeper. Anyway, so played indoor, rode home, and then uh, jumped in the shower, put my clothes on, and I uh, had a gig. I was emceeing a show, and I've got uh, like fucking... 40 minutes to get to the show and it's a half hour ride. So I'm like, sweet, I've got time. So I leave the house and I jump on the bike and I've got to pump my back tire up. I go do that and then I keep riding. And as soon as I get out of the fucking, um, the bike shop where I pump my tire up, it just starts raining. And, um, you know, immediately my thoughts are like, I'm caught in the rain. It's getting heavier. And, uh, I'm just like, if I wasn't so in a rush, if I didn't pack my day so full of stuff, I could have checked the weather app. Although actually I did check the weather app later and it said it wasn't raining and that was enough for me. I didn't check the weather app. So who am I to complain? But if I had done, it would have been wrong. So that was enough for me to allow myself to be like, that's, that's whose fault it is. (laughs) But no, I was like. Like I could have, um, I could have had more time and seen that it was going to rain and like, you know, not need, like riding my bike is the quickest way to get there. But if I'd had like an hour, I could have got the tram halfway or I even could have got an Uber, but I'm too broke because I haven't been working, you know? So I just like, by dint of being poor, money poor and time poor, I had to ride my bike, which meant I got absolutely nailed by the fucking rain. So when I got to the gig, I was just in a shit mood. And I, but on the way to the gig, I was like, motherfucker, you know, like yelling at myself because that helps. And not only does it help me, but it also helps everyone around me feel good. <laughs> when, I, when I yell at myself, not only does it fix the problem, but also everyone around me looks at me and goes, oh, that's good. You know, I feel safe in the world. <laughs> It's good to know that when I walk around the street, there's um, everyone out here is just looking out for each other and, you know, no one's kind of liable to snap at any moment. Oh, but um, but that makes me feel good, being like that, though. Being, being in the midst of just, like, so much activity and not having time to think, you know, like it's, I've always kind of, I guess, needed that because the opposite, which is what I've been living for the last few months is having a lot of time to think. And then I start thinking, I kind of start spiraling, you know, I start thinking negatively about myself and about other people. Um, but the reaction to that is to go, okay, I'm going to fill my days up with heaps of stuff. And then I do that and then I get stressed out and, and it's just this fucking cycle. So today in therapy, we were talking about how I can get to what the root cause of the thing that makes me sad when I have no time, because like it can be helpful to always be busy, right? It's constructive things that I'm doing. It's not like I'm doing pointless stuff, 
working to save money, you know, doing gigs to get better at comedy, playing indoor, you know, that's fun, active, social. It was a great day, really. And I crammed it in a half a day. The day for me didn't start till like 11 and I still, I did, it is, it's like a perfect day, isn't it? I worked, made money, and then I went to do something social with friends, but it was also like fucking active and physical. And then I went and engaged with my passion, made a bit of money. And then after that, oh, what a joy. Did the gig, whatever. And um, great show, man. Kent Street um, is like one of the best new rooms. It's like an open mic, but it's just, it's one of the best. What was that? Oh, shut up. What? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I just forgot I got to call my mate in six and I just told a friend to come around, whatever. Um, uh, it's 5.30 now. We're all good for the pod. So, <laughs> God, is this a window into my life or what? That's two weeks in a row. Oh, no, it's not. Well, that's a fuck. That's a few in a row. Like, like, what was that? A couple of weeks ago when I fucking forgot that I had therapy. Oh, as a, at the start of this pod, I said I'm feeling better and better every week. And yet, <laughs> here I am forgetting stuff. Oh, my God. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Whatever. It was a good day yesterday. It's been, it's been, oh yeah, that's right. After the gig, um, I went and got Thai food. It was really cold and I was still annoyed because I was, had to put my jacket back on, which was wet. My jacket was all wet and cold. Um, and I just wanted dinner and it was like, oh, like, like fucking pretty much 10 o'clock. And uh, I saw this Thai place. You ever look at a place, like there's not a lot of places open on a Monday night, but I found this one that was open and uh, it was open till 12. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'll go there. But the reviews were so mixed, you know? Like some of the reviews were like, this is the best Thai place ever. And it ta like there was a guy who was like, I'm from Bangkok and I go here all the time because it reminds me of Bangkok food rather than the Thai food in Australia, which is often like too sweet. And I was like, well, that's a good review. And then there were other reviews that were like, if I could give zero stars, I would give zero stars. All of our food came out 20 minutes apart. They do takeaways before they do dine-ins and they don't prioritize you and I'm so upset. And then there were some people that were like, I used to go here and it was good, but now it's bad. But then it was good for a bit, but then it's bad. I really didn't know what to expect. And um, what I got was just a lovely time. Really nice meal. Sat down. I was the only one in the place. I walked in and the guy was like, I don't know, watching some show or whatever. But then I guess he saw me walk in and I felt bad for like interrupting his, you know, like no one was in his work, which is perfect. And then I walk in and he had to turn his show off and put fucking bullshit. <laughs> Just like whatever music on. I heard him do it. He was like sitting behind the desk and there were just like voices in another language. And uh, he saw me walk in and the voices stopped and then like, you know, <laughs> fucking Maroon 5 came on. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, man. You know what? I don't want to listen to this music either. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't tell him. I should have told him. I should have been like, dude, keep watching your fucking show. I don't care. If you turn the heating up so that it's really warm, it was pretty warm, but it wasn't like super warm. But I was like, if you make it a bit warmer in here, you can fucking, you can watch porn and jerk off behind the counter for all I care, mate. 
because I'm going to be eating your food. That actually that would really bum me out if he was watching porn and jerking off behind the counter. Please don't do that. Oh, all right, what else can I talk about here? Uh, oh, man. Oh, Wednesday night. Sydney was sick, by the way. After that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, back and forth, back and forth, once I actually got to Sydney on Tuesday, uh, on Wednesday morning, Wednesday was like my best night of comedy for the year. Um, thank you to the Sydney Comedy Festival for booking me on some fantastic gigs all week. And um, the highlight was I got to play the Hayden Orpheum, which is like a cinema in, I don't know where, somewhere just north of the river in Sydney. Um, it's like an old, old cinema. And evidently it's owned by, let me get this right. Let me find my man's name here. Put some respect on Mike Walsh. Mike Walsh um, was like a TV personality in Australia in the 70s and 80s. I didn't, I've never heard of him before, but I looked him up and he, I think it was the Mike Walsh show. He, he was um, pre- presenter of like a daytime TV show in the 70s and 80s and evidently he won like a fucking billion he won like 20 i think it was 25 logies some of them for like best show or best whatever and he did win one gold logie for um most popular television personality in australia huge and the reason i looked him up is because i'm in the theater the show by the way 700 seats the biggest show i've ever played uh Sam Taunton, very funny when I got there. Um, and I, oh, I'd, I'd just done the show and he came late because he was at the gig. He did uh, the gig that I did second, but he did it first. So we kind of swapped. He got there and I'd just been on. He was like, how was it, man? I was like, dude, that was so cool. That was like the biggest gig I've ever done. He was like, what's that, five people? <laughs> very funny, Sam Taunton. Oh, it was fucking awesome. 700 people, man. I had a great time. Went well. Did my time. That's important. I didn't go long. Um, professional about it. They had a clock on stage so you could look, which is good because I have been known to go long. That's something that I'm trying to work on. Don't go long. Do your fucking time, Aiden. But, uh, man, everything about it was great. But before the show... I got there early. I got some fried rice from down the road and ate that in the green room. And in the green room, it was like a biz- like a business room. It was like a boardroom kind of thing at the back. And um, there was a shelf with all of these fucking Logies there. All of Mike Walsh's Logies just on display in the fucking shelf. What a flex from the owner of this cinema. Fuck, it was cool, man. Just like a bit of Australian, you know, like showbiz history right there. And a gold Logie with Mike Walsh's name on it. And it's hilarious because they fuck, they, they just look like a trophy that you would get for like, like playing sport at high school. <laughs> like it's an important trophy. It's the Logie, you know. But um, also like, I don't know. It just didn't feel... I guess you expect it to be more and I guess the reason that it's important is because of the the importance that we place on it because as an object, 
you know, it just looked like a fucking regular trophy. I didn't get to touch it, so maybe it was heavy. Maybe there's actual gold in it. I don't know. It didn't really look like there was actual gold in it. And just the plaque in the front, you know? I don't know. It just looked like a fucking normal trophy. I don't know what I would have expected to see a Logie. But I was like, oh, that's a Logie. Okay. <laughs> really cool of him to put them out there, though, hey? Like, I wouldn't have... If they were in his house... I mean, it's just nice to be able to see that and to be like, fucking, look at where I am. I'm doing a gig here and I'm close to this fucking thing. And evidently this guy was like the biggest thing in Australian TV for like 10 years. How cool. So anyway, that was cool. Seeing that, being on that gig, 700 people, lots of fun. And then I went south of the river and uh, did a gig at Standout at the Chippo, which is, as far as I can tell, the best fucking small, like, non-club room in Sydney. It's so good, man. It was, there was like 70 or so in, I reckon, and it was just hot. Cam Duggan, emceeing, fucking leveled the place, man. This fucking riff that he did where some girl ended up, I don't know what the, I can't remember the bit leading to it, but some girl ended up throwing her phone on stage and being like, look at all of my nudes. If you want to see nudes, he was talking about nudes or getting nudes from girls or something. And she was just like, here, go through my, he was, she was like, here's my password. Have a look at my nudes. Go into this folder <laughs> in front of everyone. It was insane. And he kept saying his number. He was like, if you want to message me, my number is da da da. And after the show, I was like, dude, what the f just put your number in her phone, you fucking idiot. And he was like, nah, it's not as funny though. It's not as good of a story than if I give out my number and then she messages me. And you know what? He's right. Um, and I guess. I mean, I think I care too much. I would have been like, nah, man, I want, I want to be able to message her and I want to try and hook up. <laughs> what a loser. He was like, mate, it's, it's all about the laugh. I was like, if you say so, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that was sick. I did some new stuff. My set was so much fun. I, I did some new shit. I went on and I was just like, this is a hot room. I could just do my old stuff and do well, but I feel like, you know, I'm confident enough in, in just as a performer that I'm like, let me do some new stuff and try it out in the hot room and just see how well it works and just kind of talk to them and feel it, feel, feel it out, feel my way through it. And I did. It was, that was great, man. And that was like the perfect night of comedy. The big gig doing the tried and tested stuff and then the small gig doing the new shit, having a great time on both shows. Loved it. Thursday night, went and saw uh, Cam James's show, um, which I fucking got to... Oh, my God, man. I don't know if you're listening in Melbourne whether you're going to get another chance to see it. I don't think so. If you're in Brisbane, he might be about to do it in the Brisbane Comedy Festival. Cam James's show called Electric Dreams. I mean, I'd heard it got nominated for for uh most outstanding show in the melbourne comedy festival so it's obviously fantastic but um it just made me laugh it was the mo I, what really stood out to me about it so it's a show about how he wanted to be a rock star when he was like in high school and he played guitar and um 
what did I know about the show going in? Because I don't want to give the show away. The opening to the show is basically, it's like a bit of footage and it's like, here's me in what was uh, the biggest gig that I'd ever played with my band in fucking whatever, the year 2000 or something like that. And he was like 17 and um, he goes, something would happen a few weeks after this that would make me give up my dreams of being a rock star and not play music for um, like and not play any of these songs for almost 20 years. And then that's the start of the show. And then he tells all these stories about playing music and being in bands in ki- as a kid and like the ambition and just like, and he plays some of the songs, he gets the guitar out and he plays the songs and it's so earnest, like this music, you know, like he's got all his old notebooks. So he takes you through them and how earnest it is. It's so cringy. Like it's fuck. I mean, being a kid, and, you know, trying to write Ernest and thinking that you've got something to say. It's just horrific. <laughs> and the songs, like, as, the crazy thing is, like, the songs are bad, but then every now and then there's a line that's like, that's actually pretty good. And, like, what you're saying sucks. But, like, you know, the way that it's written is kind of cool. Um, you could tell he had, like, a talent for writing. I think it's even, it's good art because it represents the artist, you know? Like, even if it's not good in the sense that the thing that it's saying sucks, like he's talking about, I don't know, stuff that a teenager would care about. I don't want to spoil the show. But, you know, he's being very, like, earnest and, and uh, what's the word, um, innocent and all of those adjectives. But... It's still like the writing that he wrote as a teenager is still good enough to like, I mean, that's, it's a faithful representation of who he was. So when he sings it again now, that's why it's so humiliating (laughs) is because it's so, it's so accurate because he was really like expressing himself in a good way. It just happened that the, the person who he was expressing sucked. (laughs) that was the thing that really impressed me about the show is like I said to my mate who I went with I don't think that I would be able to pull off a show like that with all of the stuff that I wrote and whatever when I was that age because it takes you have to have a good relationship with yourself to do that show it was so cool man like you could either that you could go bad in two ways in one of two ways I reckon you you have this stuff that you wrote when you were younger and you could either get you could either get really down on yourself and try like overemphasize the point of like what a loser what an idiot i suck i'm a moron oh my god i can't believe i wrote this you know to the point where it's like oh easy man it's all right you know you could really get too down on yourself and be a bit too aggressive and kind of mean with it in an effort to distance yourself from that person that you're embarrassed by or you could not go hard enough and and maybe glorify it in a way that would suggest that you haven't moved on at all. Um, but Cam struck the note perfectly of like showing that he's moved on from being that person, but also not like hating or completely disowning that person from being like, I'm not that person anymore, but isn't it nice that I was this person and isn't it kind of sweet? Like showing love from who you are now to who you were back then. 
I, that's, I think that's the best way I can kind of put it. It was really inspiring to be like, it's okay if you were a fuckhead, you're allowed to, <laughs> you know, look back fondly and still kind of remember, even if some of the stuff that you said was like, even like bad, you can still be like, yeah, but like, that's just who I was. That's what I knew or whatever. It was a beautiful show, man. And it was so funny. <coughs> and, um, I hope, I mean, he, I hope he records it because, um, it definitely deserves to be recorded and seen by more people. And if it's coming to anywhere where you are, I fucking absolutely recommend getting tickets, man. Go and see it. Um, especially if you're like a kid from like the nineties or two thousands, if you kind of grew up in that same period in Australia, because there's so much, there's even more like if you don't need to have been from there to get, but like, if you did, fuck man, there's so much more. And then how's this for a contrast? So after that, so I went and saw that with my friend and that was fantastic. And then, uh, and then I, uh, I went to an open mic afterwards and, uh, I was fine. And, um, and then at that, and I hadn't even planned to go to that, but my mate was like, I'll come and do my open. I was like, yeah, sick. I'll do that. That was great. And then a guy at the mic was like, I'm about to go and do another open mic. And I was like, oh, there's another one. I I never met this guy. Lovely dude. And he was like, yeah, man, he's this English guy. And so we went together driving. He was like, I'll drive you there. I was like, you fucking rock. So we drive and he's like, don't get your hopes up. And I'm like, man, the fact that you've said, don't get your hopes up. That this gig's going to be bad. My hopes are now so high because I can't wait to see <laughs> the worst gig in the fucking world. Like last night, I'm playing the best gig in Sydney and a 700 seat like cinema. And tonight I'm doing the worst gig in Sydney. Oh, beautiful. And uh, yeah, we get to this fucking open mic and... Um, I know the MC, so that was cool. So he was like, do you want to get on? I was like, please. Um, and there'd been 25. <laughs> 25 acts. And there was like no audience. Oh, this is actually so funny. Fuck. I can close the podcast on this. Before I do, what's the picture for this week? This week, the picture is going to be this, the fucking yes. The picture is the open mic. I've got a picture of this open mic from where I was sat. It's in this hugely, not huge, but just like a cavernous room on the side of a pub. And <coughs> and um, <coughs> there's one, I'll count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then out of frame, nine, 10, 11. And me, 12 people watching. All of them comics, I reckon. Um. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it was just, it was fucking, it was obviously it was fucking awful. Um, but I loved it. And I, you know what? This was a bit of reflection actually. I noticed when I got there that I felt really comfortable there, more comfortable than I often feel in a green room with a bunch of comics that I respect. And it's not that I don't respect the people at this open mic, but there's no, I said when I did my set, like, I think the reason I feel so comfortable there is because there's no chance of me being jealous of anyone in this room. Um, because I do, I have a bit of a problem with like jealousy, man, of looking at other people and going, God, I wish I was in that position or I wish I had that or whatever. Um, which is something that I'm trying to address. 
and at this open mic and I, and it just well you know gigs where like I feel senior which I mean I shouldn't feel like what does that mean senior you know I've been doing comedy longer if anything <laughs> the fact that I'm still at the open mic and I've been doing comedy the longest easily of anyone there I lose <laughs> I'm the fucking, I'm the biggest loser. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I just, you know, I felt like I, there was no one there who I was jealous of. There was no one there that I was like, I wish I had that. And um, I think that's something that I need to be aware of for myself. Cause like, if I'm going to places that I'm not going to feel jealous of anyone, you know, just because that's comfortable, well, then I'm never going to be out of my comfort zone. Like I can't just be going to those places. Sometimes it's good to go to a place where you don't feel comfortable and learn from people rather than feeling jealous of them to be like, I'm watching someone do that and that's good and I'm, you know, whatever. Anyway, I mean, I saw Cam James's show. That was great. And I wasn't jealous. I didn't feel jealous of Cam actually. Isn't that nice? Anyway, so I go to this open mic and people are just bombing. It's fucking bomb city up here. But there's this one guy <laughs> up the front who at the time I hated, but now I I don't think actually that I should hate him. He was drunk and he'd been on and he was just heckling everyone. But here's the problem. He was funny. <laughs> he was drunk and he was loud and obnoxious, very obnoxious, but like undeniably funny the things that he was saying. And um, the guy before me was the guy who gave me the lift and he was a dark-skinned dude. And um, there was a moment when the heckling guy made some comment about like, you're not Australian, which is true. The guy wasn't. But the way that he said it, I was like, I don't fucking like that at all. It felt like he was making a comment on the guy's skin, you know? We talked about it in the car later. I mean, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. But... I was just kind of like, you're a bully. It made me feel like that. I was like, felt like you're a fucking bit of a bully, man. I didn't like that, you know? Um, and so I went on angry at him and was just like, I don't fucking like you. <laughs> and then because he was funny, he was just like, I don't like me, the man. And like, I can't remember what he said, but he flipped it so that I was like, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe you're not so bad, actually. <laughs> I kind like, I couldn't. I wanted him to be a dick so I had something to fucking hang on to in the set because the room was so dire. And so I was like, oh, I know, maybe I'll just talk about how I don't like this guy who's heckling everyone. And then he flipped it and uh, and took the teeth out of the fucking thing that I was trying to do. So in the end, I just had to do jokes and bomb. Um, that was my set. But then, so this is the best bit after me. <laughs> and um, man, I... I really kind of felt for this kid like I kind of I see a lot of myself in the angry this guy was there and he was I spoke to a couple other people he's pretty new to comedy a couple years and I'm I don't want to say his name or anything because like whatever he's you know there's, he's not done anything wrong but fuck I hated him um and he uh got there with this entitled energy and he just sat at the back and he pulled out his notebook which like whatever, who cares? It's not like a disrespect thing. But in my head, I was just like, really, man, you're going to fix it now? Now's the time that you're going to fucking, you know? Like getting your notebook out at an open mic is kind of like, 
trying to say to everyone in the room what I have to write down now and my fucking set and my shit is more important than any of you. Not even just the person on stage, but everyone else who doesn't have their notebook out. You know, it's like... If you were really serious about this, like you're trying to show us all, you would have done the work before you got here, all right? So stop pretending like you're fucking Jimmy Big Dick and just fucking put the notebook away and be in the room and be a fucking performer rather than trying to be like a fucking suit and tie out with your laptop, taking your laptop, your laptop, taking fucking appointments or whatever the fuck. I don't, do you know what I mean? So anyway, I already, I don't like him. And, uh, and then he gets up and he kind of fucking see was after me. He like swaggers over to the stage and, um, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, none of you guys in here will probably understand this, but fuck Christian Elderfield. So that Christian Elderfield is another comic. And I, I know that Christian Elderfield runs a gig and, Evidently, I, I think what happened is this guy, from what I could tell after the show, this guy went there hoping to talk to Christian and get a spot on this show and then Christian wasn't there and so the guy was angry, which is whatever. Who cares? But the thing that annoyed me is him going up and going, none of you guys will probably get this, as, in, as if he's going like, this is above all of your pay grades, I'm moving in circles that you won't understand. Christian Elderfield, and it's just like, you don't fucking know who's in this room, you loser. And who the fuck do you think you are? Ugh. So immediately, right, I'm just like, this guy thinks he's just fucking, everything I've seen, he thinks he's top shit. And, uh, and then, and then the heckling guy, (laughs) like, this guy thinks he's top shit, but fucking thank God for all of us. (laughs) The funniest, drunkest man in the room is... (laughs) is shouting at the stage completely indiscriminately. So so he's on there with that attitude and then this fucking guy pipes up and starts saying stuff. <laughs> and then and then this dude's like flustered and angry and you know thinks he's owed the attention of everyone in the room so he's not dealing with it well and he starts going like what did you talk about in your set? He's like engaging with the guy which is a mistake that everyone's made, including me. And uh, <laughs> and he's like, what did you talk about? He's like, you know, trying to be like, oh yeah, you think you're better than me? What did fucking, what did you talk about when you went on stage? And the guy, <laughs> the guy just goes, uh, child pornography. <laughs> <laughs> like, like matter of factly. Like it wasn't like he said it in a way that wasn't trying to be funny, which absolutely was the joke. What did you What did you talk about in your set? It's just like um, and like it was like the start of a list, child pornography. But it, that was all he needed to say. And for the first time since I'd been there, the whole fucking room laughed. Man, it crushed. <laughs> and this fucking loser on stage. I shouldn't call him a loser. This guy who was just, you know, maybe having a bit of an arrogant moment that night and needed to be brought down a peg uh, was just on stage. Just, I mean, that was it for him, you know? The biggest laugh of the night and the heckler got it during your set. Fucking hell. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. An open mic. It's a beautiful place. And... You know what? As much as I am at times driven by jealousy and, um, you know, unable to be like 
or like I struggle being happy with the success of other people. It's great. It is great to go to a place like that and remember that like you're not shit. You're fucking, you're at an open mic. You're there and you ask yourself why you're there. And the answer hopefully is because you want to be there and you just love watching people go on stage and try and be funny. And then you get to go and do it yourself. That's why I was there. All right. And that's the name of this episode, I reckon. The Open Mic. Beautiful stuff. That's the podcast for this week. I hope you guys are doing okay. Thank you for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.